No, you're hilarious. You're hilarious. Freaking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? Uh, yeah. Robert, gonna start. Sure. Okay, Ready so to count us down? Count down from five. I got it. I, just <laughs> <laughs> I know how to count down. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Gradlings. This week we have Giovanni and Sandra in the studio with us. Uh, they are two PhD candidates coming in from Colombia and they're finishing up, hopefully, fingers crossed. Hashtag hopefully. Hashtag hopefully. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> 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 Already starting with the hashtags this week. Yes. <laughs> We're going to need you to comment. You don't, don't make me say it, Justin. Don't make me say it. Don't say what? I, I hate it when people Cal- tell me to like, calm out of me. What does that mean? Calm yourself. Calm Don't teach him that. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm also, him. first of all, today we would say calmese. Why would we say calmese? Stay tuned and you'll find out very soon. No? That was the corniest intro I've ever heard. <laughs> that was, that was, that was really interesting. Thank you for staying tuned. We are joined today by two really cool. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> the music's not gonna come back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, music is. comes back on. Yeah, it is. We, no, do, we, we do, do a transition we do, between. We do, we do a music. We're gonna do two transitions that yep. are early in. All mm-hmm. right. Thank you for staying tuned. We are joined here by two really really cool PhD students here at the University of Alabama. <laughs> hola Giovanni, hola Sandra, como están? How are you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Yeah, we also have a really cool guest as well over here. I think I've said cool way too many times, but there's no other better she object. Cool, to, she is she cool, She is cool. She's cooler than I am, that's for sure. That's, oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. You would agree with that? <laughs> we are joined today by Ana Maria. Can you say hola Ana Maria? Hola. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, how many, how many, cuantos años tiene usted? How old are you? Seven. Oh, my seven. God. The seven-year-old Se- is cooler than seven you. Seven-year-old seven year old is cooler I than me, right? I completely agree. <laughs> so, welcome back to Gradlings. I just wanted to say that Gradlings, to start off with, we bring together researchers in linguistics, all different aspects of linguistics, and we bring them in to talk to them about what they're doing with their lives. Giovanni, Sandra, we want to hear a little bit about what you guys are doing with your lives as far as research and then we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some life lessons that you guys can pass along to us but to start do you guys mind providing us with a little overview of what you guys' dissertation is about right now well uh first of all thank you for having us you're uh, welcome <laughs> she's the first guest to thank us nobody thanks us this is a chore <laughs> for them this is already this is already the best this is already the best episode i mean the other two were awesome right so our first guest was jana uh, jana and then we had sarah to come on and talk about their research and both of them are more applied pedagogically focused today we're branching out a little bit we have two guests together that are kind of touching on similar fields but they're a little bit different 
Sandra, do you mind providing us with a... Just to give a back note, Justin's not implying that because they're applied linguists, <laughs> their manners <laughs> don't exist. No, I mean, yeah, their manners, okay, their manners were there, but we just want to say thank you yeah. for saying thank you. I just want to say maybe they have implicit manners. Implicit. Oh, explicit oh, manners. oh implicit versus explicit. Very nice. Only a nerdy <laughs> pedagogue would be able to, you know? So Sandra, applied linguist too. Applied linguist. <laughs> so Sandra, just tell us a little bit about what you do, what you're doing. You're working on your dissertation right now. Your ABD, all but dissertation, mm. all but death, and <laughs> <laughs> all but. Tell us a little bit about what your research is about. Well, first of all, I hope I don't die before I finish. <laughs> yeah. That would and okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? My dissertation. Um, it's trying to, I mean, it's focused on uh, the use of the Spanish language varieties in the in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, the main focus is the instructor and how the instructor could be the person who, um, let's say, disseminates the different uses of the Spanish language and how maybe the students react to it. And for, like th and for those who don't study Spanish, like Bowdoin, um, could you explain <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> Only Bowdoin in this room. <laughs> Um, could you maybe explain why the variety of Spanish used in the classroom is significant? Well, um, first of all, by observing, uh, like in the past, I've had the chance to be um, uh, in the classroom observing and helping uh, first-year teachers, and mm -hmm. I uh, found out that uh, students uh, need to be exposed to uh, different uh, Spanish varieties because the Spanish uh, speaking world is so broad and there are so many things that sometimes are just simplified to one single thing and mm -hmm. then I was wondering whether that would be beneficial or detrimental for the learning of a language and that's how my interest in doing this research Very uh, cool. came up. Very nice. That's so, nice. you guys are both Colombian. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned particularly the Costa Rican variety mm -hmm. from being in Costa Rica for a long time. You learned more, Robin, the Spanish, Spanish. variety, yeah. mm -hmm. which is kind of common, mm -hmm. I think, it in is. university mm -hmm. settings and well, high school settings. So, that's interesting because when I got to UA, this was actually the first time that I saw such a huge emphasis on peninsular Spanish mm -hmm. because at my undergraduate institution, it was anything but. Anything oh, but wow. Spanish, right? Okay. I mean, we had the, we had about, I think we had two Spanish professors, but I think both of them were raised in the United States, so they have the context of being able to switch. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but their vocabularies and, um, you know, grammar features mm -hmm. weren't really Spanish, you know, Spain Spanish, yeah. in my opinion. I was also a very inexperienced undergraduate with well, Spanish, so they probably okay. were using things, but that's I didn't okay. recognize it. We were all inexperienced <laughs> at one point, no? I still so kind of am. It is kind of a, <laughs> you bring up an interesting topic, is like, what kind of variety should you teach? If you should teach a specific you, variety well, in the first say, place. Prescriptivist but police. how, I mean, prescriptivist <laughs> police. <laughs> <laughs> but with... That's a very, like, language-specific problem mm -hmm. a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. With German, would you come across that? Is it like, oh, what type of German am oh, I going I mean, to teach? We, we were just yeah, talking about this earlier. Yeah, we had a conversation yesterday, I think, or t earlier today Edelweiss, about it. Yeah. yeah, it was earlier today about, yeah, about this. That um, was a plug for Edelweiss? You only <laughs> get one. You only get one, Edelweiss, that's good, that's and you used one. it. 
Um, but typically, in my experience with teaching German, the emphasis is on Germany. It's definitely other stuff there, but definitely Even the focus is on Germany, especially if you look at textbooks that are written. Everything is always about Germany. Oh, and right. so I wonder if French has that as well. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would so say so. Absolutely. So what do they say? You only can speak Parisian French? And, uh, well, it's interesting because now Parisian French itself is actually being... The definition of Parisian French is changing because of the population changing. Uh, exactly. Like, in France and also right. the rising popularity of French di- um, French dialects spoken in, you know, Western Africa, mm-hmm. in Canada. So it really does depend. So where would we say, for s- going back to... Sp- Sandra's. Obviously, this is a mm-hmm. an important topic because mm-hmm. when you talk about yeah. what kind of Spanish, it goes all the way from the very top when you're talking about textbook creation, mm-hmm. when you're talking about like societal pressures, I guess, what mm-hmm. is the most important, what's the most politically important, the economically mm-hmm. important. How would, I mean, where would you say is the standard, quote unquote, standard for Spanish? Is yes. there one? Is there not one? No, is there an implicit one? There is an implicit one, uh, for sure, that is uh, Spain. And that's exactly what I'm trying to uh, debate. Yeah. And uh, I uh, found like different uh, approaches in which, uh, you know, the standard is uh, taken as maybe the language that is spoken in most of the big capitals. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's also debatable. And, and so for each Spanish-speaking person, there is a place of reference to hmm. say this is the standard. Like in Mexico, if you ask a person from Mexico, where do the people speak the standard Spanish? And they're, they're going to say the city, uh, Mexico, yeah. D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the Mexico City, exactly. The so F.A. And, and if you ask a Colombian person, they're going to ask, oh, Bogota. Bogota mm-hmm. is the... So there are different centers, and, and that's exactly what I'm trying to to explain and, and to uh, give like the relevance that is necessary, that there is more beyond uh, listening to Spanish-speaking people all the time and for the students to have that as the point of reference. Yeah. That is the only well-spoken Spanish that mm-hmm. could be learned. Right. So. so your focus is on the teacher, though. So like yes. what kind of variety they would use. Mm-hmm. So do you, is your hypothesis, I guess, you, you do... You both actually do qualitative research, and we're about to get into that in just a second. Mm-hmm. But you are—you have an, a, a guess, I would assume, that they're going to teach their variety of Spanish. Like, for example, if you—if I were one of your participants, you would find that I would lean more towards Costa Rican variety. I would use mm-hmm. purely usted, sometimes vos, but mostly just usted. That's exactly what I am trying to find out because. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I assume that uh, there are many different things that play an important role, mm-hmm. um, like for the teacher, like in the moment uh, you make decisions to teach and to, I mean, for the lessons to be designed. They have to think about so many things and then they have to give priorities. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm trying to, <coughs> to find out. Mm-hmm. Like what priorities do they uh, keep in mind when they plan their classes? Do they uh, keep in mind their own language variety? What the textbook offer, what the uh, department offers, yeah, and and try to find an explanation for each one of their choices. Like so if there is a choice, like why yeah. do you do that, and and what leads you to say I have to do this instead of this, 
that mm. maybe is what I want to do. So that's exactly what I'm trying to, to learn. One of the things we found is that the textbook actually is such an important thing for teachers. And unfortunately, it's, it's just still mandating what is being taught. Mm. So mm. The, text, the textbook is it's, it's a big thing. Mm. The textbook is like the law essentially as far as what is the most important variety yeah it is like the implicit language policy for mm. for many teachers and that gets very complicated when you're talking about language policy as far as the second language it's mm. very curious as far as who defines that this is the language variety that you not should even be picking not, 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 not only uh, first language um, not, not only second language I'm sorry but first language because first language as well we, we may be speaking about teachers or instructors whose first language is Spanish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when they right. teach, they change it, the way they talk. Yeah, sure. Th th that's what so I was going to address. Based off of the speech. That yeah, that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I was thinking about is that, you know, even as, an, as a native speaker of English, and I'm from the South, right? But Southern American English, that dialect, it has this, it has this reputation, right? It mm -hmm. has this, mm -hmm. right. it has this lower prestige. And so, if I was teaching a class on um, English, if I was if I was teaching ESL, uh -huh. um, I would speak the ver. You know, it's like this this decision you have to make of do I speak right. Southern American English, which is my which is my identity and it's tied to my identity, right. or do I want to speak a more quote unquote acceptable version of English that exactly you know what I mean? Right. And so, and what I'm trying to find out is what makes you decide which one to wow. use, yeah. mm -hmm. like how do you uh, see your own language in comparison to mm -hmm. like the language from the, si uh, from the north part of mm -hmm. the country or something like that. Wow. And that is also something that I learned when I was an ESL teacher and mm. when I was an English uh, language learner myself, okay. uh, that uh, we had uh, professors uh, who spoke uh, British English versus American English. Mm -hmm. And then you had those uh, different things, uh, options, and that you could choose from, and um, you know, I just made the decision to follow the American uh, way <laughs> because well, that's uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, there yeah. was something mm -hmm. like the distance. I don't know, geographically speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a there is a huge that is that's interesting though because there's a huge divide in my experience in studying abroad in Germany and being in linguistics linguistics courses English linguistics courses in Germany German universities have this intense division between British English and American English. Oh yeah. yes, it's almost it's like in France and the Spain as well. It's almost oh, like the, the professors are right. just like mm. at each other's throats almost mm -hmm. about yeah. what is correct. Oh, and so talking about Mm -hmm. correctness as well mm -hmm. language variation just a transition into Giovanni mm -hmm. uh, your research do you mind providing us just with a little overview as far as what you're researching uh, because there's a little bit of overlap and we want to be sure to get to we want to talk about your methodologies because I find that fascinating how you guys are approaching this research mm -hmm. I'm doing an ethnographic study on the usage and meanings of tu en usted Mm -hmm. in Bogota, Colombia, specifically in the context of the home. Okay. okay. So give me some background as far as Colombia, or well, give, for somebody who might not know about Spanish in any kind of way, what's the difference between tú, what's the difference between usted, mm -hmm. how is it perceived, which one's more common? I decided to uh, study doing usted 
because the way I saw it was portrayed in textbooks and in the classroom in general was very narrow. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. They had a very, um, it's just a very narrow way of explaining it, mm -hmm. where they say the two is informal and state is formal. Mm -hmm. So that's what made me uh, And that becomes complicated that. because we don't necessarily have built-in linguistic components for formality and informality in English. Like, we used to have more of that, but now it's kind of gone it away. on a broader context. A broader Absolutely. context. Of, I mean, I think in Southern varieties of English, we have ways of doing it pragmatically yes, that are very yes, explicitly... Yeah, and sir, that kind mm -hmm. of... <coughs> that would be perceived differently, right? And it's just like with two instead. If you were to say usted with somebody who is like your same age in Spain or something like that, they would see it as almost being rude, correct? Um, I cannot say very much about Spain, but I the only thing I can say is I know they don't, they don't use it as much as we do. Mm -hmm. mm. But I don't want to uh, describe to an as No prescriptive is police. No, I'm just yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 the, the terms formal and informal to me really are not a... They can be a, you can apply them, but they're not adequate. They're they're not they're not like a they're all the time that. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, that's what I'm trying to explain that that there are different meanings uh, to both forms and not just formalities. It's it's just so many different social meanings associated yeah. to it. And people have so, strong opinions about the use of tu en usted. Like I know that me as a um, a Spanish speaker that has the variety of Costa Rican variety. We focus on using usted and vos, right? Just like mm -hmm. in Colombia. And when I speak with somebody here, it, they'd be like, no me hables en vos porque yo no soy el rey. Uh, don't talk to me in usted. Oh, no, vos? Don't talk no, to me in usted because I'm not the, I'm not the king. Mm -hmm. No? <laughs> I mean, it's a very... I don't know why they say that to me all the time. I don't think <laughs> they're the king, but... <laughs> so, um, could you kind of give an example of some of the little, you know, the little things about tu en usted in the context of... Colombian Spanish that you're looking at? Like well, what? it's... A few I examples. Just, I just collected the data mm -hmm. and I don't think I'm... I'm I, I can give like a... Just one sentence saying Perfect. how it is used. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can say at this moment is that everything is chaos. Mm -hmm. okay. Everything is chaos? Yes. Absolutely. Because <laughs> huh. uh, is it is just so many different <laughs> uh, aspects that you have to pay mm -hmm. attention to. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I'll, I'll, give, I'll mention some. Okay. Um... For example, your age, your social status, mm -hmm. the familiarity you have with uh, people that you're speaking with, the topic of conversation, mm -hmm. uh, your uh, mood, if you're mm -hmm. angry, if you're oh. happy. Um, wow. I mean, there's just so many different That's things that people mm -hmm. don't uh, know. And, 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 and we don't teach students those things. First, because not everybody's from Colombia. And second, because I think what I've seen is that uh, most instructors just tend to simplify what they teach. Mm -hmm. Because it's easier for the student just to focus on just one or two uh, items mm -hmm. than on twenty. That's a disadvantage. I mean, that's I mean, the students need to be exposed to language how, how it is, yeah, right. little sure. by little, but but they need to be exposed to those things. I, mm -hmm. I, f I feel like what you're getting at too is part of kind of a larger a larger issue in language pedagogy is that we have this mm -hmm. preconceived notion that we have to simplify everything into. Like right. at the basic Bite size level, little way, pieces. This right. way or this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's harder to go into these. We think that it's so hard to go into these details of, like you said, you know, age, class, mm -hmm. if, whether you're familiar with the person, if you're happy, if you're angry. 
it's much we think of it as oh our poor students they can't understand these mm-hmm. things they mm-hmm. don't okay. know anything yeah. we have to teach them <laughs> formal <laughs> informal that's it yeah and the thing is that uh, sometimes i think we underestimate on students abilities mm-hmm. in, like in terms of language i have to say this because um, i have noticed that a lot of instructors just uh, speak normally and the students follow whatever the instructor says and mm-hmm. you know it's amazing mm-hmm. uh, I mean how much you can do just by using the language as it is mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's also you know maybe this is a commonality between Giovanni's project and mine mm-hmm. that we are both trying to, to right. maybe uh, just promote that use of so you're both doing ethnographic studies mm-hmm. which is primarily qualitative mm-hmm. can you tell me this seems like a very huge undertaking and I have no idea where I would start. I am primarily quantitatively oriented. I see the value of qualitative research. I really do. It's just I, it's hard to wrap your mind around how do you go about this project. So how, if you guys don't mind just talking, speaking a little bit towards um, what did you do? You guys are collecting data. Giovanni collected data recently, and you're done collecting data, correct? Yes, I am. And then, Sandra, you're collecting data as we speak. Mm-hmm. Well, not right now, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you're collecting data I mean, outside of this room, <laughs> you're collecting data. But, but maybe not. while somebody's listening to this recording, then yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, Giovanni, can we start with you and just hear, what did you do? You just recently collected your data. How did you do that? Yeah, I went to Bogota, Colombia during the summer, and I interviewed um, 60 participants, Mm -hmm. and I also videotaped natural occurring conversations in different, among different families Mm -hmm. from different uh, uh, social backgrounds Mm -hmm. in Bogota, and I just recorded uh, different types of conversations. And could you kind of describe your decision to video tape rather than just record in some instances? Um, well, um, I think the language is, I mean, there's two types of language that you need to um, look at in, 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 in this type of study that mm-hmm. I'm doing. One is the verbal language and another is the nonverbal language. Mm-hmm. And I think that a combination of, I mean, a description where both are um, included can give a good description. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, doing instead, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, when you speak, your nonverbal language goes together with the verbal language. So Mm -hmm. I think that that being able to analyze those things, Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's, it's very significant. Yeah, I mean, how do you transcribe happy? What? How do you transcribe when someone's happy when they're Oh, talking? I'm never happy, so I don't know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so to do that, you have to have a video. That's, that's the next one. I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a great... No, it's a just realistic. <laughs> anyway. Woo, okay, I mean, that's so, another discussion. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually very happy all the time. I'm just being... Faci- or like, what is the word? What's my C2 word that I was trying to use earlier? Facetious. Facetious. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's like a C1 word. C1? Man, I need to get up to C2, y'all. I don't know what's going on. I think we all do. (laughs) (laughs) Native language, here I come. Uh, So, Sandra, tell me, you also do video recordings, correct? Uh So tell me a little bit about your methodology, if you don't mind. Well, um, as uh, Giovanni said, um, I am also using um, an ethnographic approach. And the reason why I'm doing video is also because, I mean, part of teaching is body language. And body language, uh, I mean, let's 
students understand maybe things that uh, they don't understand when they hear something. And so I'm trying to analyze that as well as what the teacher says in terms of linguistic um, aspects mm -hmm. and, and to see, um, you know, I had the opportunity to be in a class where I learned how you can just say so much with your gestures mm -hmm. that, I mean, you can interpret uh, data just by looking at a, at a person and trying to combine what the person says with the gestures about a language. So mm -hmm. that's, that's why I decided to do it that way too. And because I really think that what happens in the classroom like in real life is what really counts. It's mm. not what the book says, not what somebody from a desk, I don't know where, uh, in, you know, created something without having the opportunity to experience in real life what mm. is going on in the mm -hmm. classroom. So that's why. I would just like to note that it's a very good thing Bowdoin doesn't have a video recording of my, our conversations together. <laughs> you would see a there's lot a of eye rolling just all the time. There's a lot. There's just a lot. Just a <laughs> lot all the time. No? On both ends. You know, I'm going to go back on, on the subject of methodology. I want to go back to something that Justin said earlier that I slightly disagree with. Okay. Well, come <laughs> at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> using, you know, there's there's a paper there using bro, you know, using bro right, instead of. We talked about this last <laughs> week. We talked about my and I'm bro the, and way and Theo. We did that. Last I'm, I'm, How, what would I'm you say in, in Colombia? It's not my. Uh, it's I think not. There's so many words. I don't there know. are so many uh, words. What would you, okay, <laughs> give me one. I don't. <laughs> I just parce. want one. Parse is one Hermano. of the. Hermano. Oh, what is the parse? Parse. Is that a esverso? It comes from the word parcero. Parcero. And it ah, was originally what used is a only parcero? one. Uh, it's like pal. Oh. Yes, and, um, and it was used only in one region of Colombia, not not Bogota. Okay. But it got so popular that it's uh, now it's being used all over the place. Mm. And uh, it's used as parce. Parce. Parce, 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 which is like the a short version of parce. Uh, parce. Hmm. Sounds a little bit more intimate. They just call me gordo, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call me. What is that? <laughs> just means fat. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. It's just a different cultural experience. Gordo? Gordo? Hey, el gordito está. Yes, yeah, I was about to say, do they yeah. call me gordo? Yeah. No, they would call me. They would call me cachetón because I have such big cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say that all of my insecurities comes from Costa Rican variety of Spanish. So I want to go back to, now that we're done with that tangent, about the, about dude. I think I brought that on myself. You did. Said, it's okay. your fault. Okay, sorry. No, he said come at me, bro. Yeah, but then I started. Anyway, you don't have we don't want to go, we don't want to go into that. So getting back to something that Justin said that I kind of disagree with. You of course you said, do. You said that you were quantitatively oriented. Is that right? Uh, you said that you were more quantitatively oriented. Well, I'm just, I feel stronger. I feel like my superpowers are quantitatively oriented. <laughs> and I'm still, okay. you know, I see the value of qualitative research. And okay. with every single quantitative paper, there needs to be some qualitative information to provide a sure. holistic understanding of what's going on. Absolutely. I'm just not very adept at it. That's okay. the thing that I'd like to say. Okay, no, I mean, you have to, I mean, you have to go with your strengths, right? And yeah, I mean, you play to your sure. strengths, right? <laughs> right, okay. I so guess, few. So that's, gotta... That was one thing that I was just going to say, and you guys can, you know, of course, give your opinion on it, but I have this feeling that there's, when you're getting into research, and I'm a first-year PhD student, I'm just getting into taking classes on how to do research and reading about different methods and methodologies, mm -hmm. and there's always this, it's like, there's always this huge debate between 
between qualitative and quantitative mm-hmm. and it's people get so wrapped up into that and right. they get so it's like I am and that's why when you said that you're quantitatively oriented uh-huh. and that was like your that's like your your turf and you're gonna you're like <laughs> you know, it's my identity my like, identity I'm is going to rooted stand in numbers and I'm right. going to fight on behalf of the quantitatively minded you know, people it's very and and like and my thing is that I feel like but like it depends on what you're trying to find right yeah, mm-hmm. and so I think it depend, depends on what you're trying to study uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, I think both can be beneficial for right research. Yeah. qualitative just gives you it gives you the story it makes it it gives you a narrative it gives you all this mm-hmm. this like this personal information kind of you know it's not just it's not just here's the numbers like I want to know the story it's 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 I don't know it's like I like reading it more so but numbers right. can tell you a story as well and just you have to know what the story, the numbers tell you the story, right? Right. All I can think of was that joke about cause That's seven, what I because had seven, eight, nine. Because you can well, see right. faces no, when seven, eight, nine. It's, it's a, a story. story. <laughs> that <laughs> is a story. <laughs> it's an example can, of numbers, numbers telling story. A story. What is the joke? Where seven, eight, why? Why was eight afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. Yeah. That's, that's the only number story I can. This think is of. what this is what graduate students do for fun. They tell really corny jokes. Well, the numbers oh will God. speak to you, and everything is quantifiable in its own way. You just have to figure out the way sure. to make things quantifiable. Mm-hmm. Sandra, you're, did you choose? Qualitative. Why did you choose qualitative research, if you don't I, mind me asking? I was going to say, um, I had the opportunity to take a class, a qualitative research class in the uh, in one of the departments here at the university. Yes, I really want to focus on this because I, I don't really like numbers. Numbers don't tell me exactly what I see. I, I mm-hmm. see something different, but numbers tell me something else. And I say, like, no, I mean, this is not really... Uh, you know, accurate in in that sense because language is more than just yeah. uh, numbers, and, and, that's, and that's why I decided to to use a qualitative. Yeah, and approach. that's a big debate. It's kind of like some. It's a little bit of a controversial topic in the field, specifically in the humanities, just mm-hmm. in general, where right. one is valued definitely more than the other, mm-hmm. just in general. Like I think that people value quantitative research over qualitative research, and I don't know about that. You think that people, because it's like quote unquote more scientific way of looking at linguistics, yeah, or because they want to look at everything from a very scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But qualitative research is scientific as well. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That that was one of the strong points that the professor made mm-hmm. in the class, mm-hmm. and she's like, no, and and then she uh, gave us very good examples of her own work. And she's a very well-known person in her field. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also brought us a, a lot of examples of people in the field. And so like, well, and, and mm-hmm. you see the arguments are the ones that you need to build up. And then any time we were analyzing our own data, she was like, oh, but I can see this too and mm-hmm. this too. And we're like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I mean, you really need to, you know. I think that definitely the quantitative, qualitative debate, like Justin said, is huge in the humanities. Because, like, for example, with Giovanni's study, qualitative is more well-suited for what he's looking mm-hmm, for. Right. So it's basically which method will adapt to, mm-hmm. you know, what you're trying to look for specifically. Exactly. Myself, personally, I'm just a mixed methods person, so I just don't you even partake. You can never go wrong with the, the mixed, mixed methods. methods. I just it's never partake in that debate. <laughs> Is it really the best of both worlds, or are you just, like, torn between two fields? All right, before that debate starts, <laughs> <laughs> let me... Choose now, a whole building scene, then a whole red maybe get to come a boss dying. 
segment of the podcast we like to call Lessons Learned. And basically, we ask our guests to kind of reflect and where they're at now in their in the stage of their academic careers to kind of maybe give, an, give advice to a younger version of themselves or just younger master's PhD students in general. Like, what are some things you would have done differently? What are some things that worked great for you? And then again, these also apply not only inside the classroom, you know, mm-hmm. not in front of your laptop, but also, you know, with family, with personal obligations and things like that. But may I interject really quick? We never mentioned that they're married and that they did the entire PhD program together. And they didn't kill each other. And they didn't <laughs> kill each other. Well, as far as we know. Me I and Bonin are only friends and I want to kill him. And we've never had a class together. I don't even know. I you mean, guys I must kinda, have. We like haven't people. killed each other yet. No. <laughs> Who kn- this is like the, the living last word of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? They're ABD now, so who can tell? You have two more years, right? Two more years? Uh, hopefully. Next yes. year we'll go on the job market together, so it'll be me oh versus y'all. Goodness. That's fine. <laughs> no okay. pressure on your end. No pressure. Uh, no pressure good on my job, <laughs> I'm not threatening you. So Why does it always say? seem so threatening? I seem so You're thre- a threatening human being. I'm not a threatening human. Anyways, okay, so tell us about that. You guys are married. You have a child. You guys have done this PhD program together. I'm sure you guys have fascinating things that you can share because you're just a fascinating case in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I would have to say that one of the things, uh, one of the lessons learned is about money. Oh, yeah. And it's always so a situation with graduate, graduate students. students. <laughs> you always plan something, but then little by little you see that that plan was not what you had in mind. Mm-hmm. So that that is definitely something that... But I think that, that being uh, married was not a disadvantage, but an advantage because right. we support each other on uh-huh. different things. Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. That's so nice. Right, right. Like, I've been... Aww. Aww. Really nice. we need, this is where we need to get music to be like, aww. I've had <laughs> moments in which I have felt like throwing my computer out the window mm-hmm. and he has stopped me mm-hmm. from doing that. So... Yes, definitely. We have been a support, good support to each Especially other. Especially from a financial, I mean, yeah, from financial you don't want to make a financial decision as a grad student. Do not throw your part. computer <laughs> out the window. <laughs> 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 One part that, that I find difficult is maybe to dedicate time for both, you know, the university and your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially for your kid. Right. You know, right. Because sometimes we have to read and not neglect an idea, but, <laughs> right. but no, she was growing up with us mm-hmm. doing a lot of work. Well, and, and now she's like a budding linguist. Like she's very familiar. She with is her work. Work. She my topic so much. <laughs> very, yeah. And she was, and you were just telling me earlier how she, she'll tell you, correct you even, like, don't use instead. That's rude. <laughs> 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 so I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. But uh-huh. I definitely understand that. Um, so she's been part of this program. Right. That's, uh, really great. Mm, yeah. She, she should. going to get an honorary yeah. PhD. I was going to say yeah. she should walk across. She's going to finish with her PhD before me. I just know it, Ana Maria. I'm looking at you. Yeah, we're trying to do something like that. No. Are you serious? Yes. What? Oh, my God. Who's going to hood her? Who's going to hood her? Can I hood her? No, it'll have to be. (laughs) I don't know why. Do you have the same director? Do you have the same We have the same dissertation director. Oh, my gosh. You're going to share everything. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. And I think now the same committee members, right? Uh, almost all of them. Yeah. Wow. Almost oh. all of them. I have never felt more alone in this process <laughs> than right now. <laughs> 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 and 
And so, <laughs> and, and I don't know, something that um, we kind of started with Sarah Finney last week was we have, we kind of like to give a, a, or a sign rather, a hashtag that describes in a one word or one phrase your experience or something. Grad school. Or grad school. Yeah. You know, things. So, what would you, if you had one word to describe each of your individual researches and in your and your time here at UA? I, I can say for sure hashtag enriching. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag I don't know what to say. Justin's from last week was hashtag what? <laughs> I was hashtag say what? what? Hashtag, hashtag uh, hopefully. Hashtag hopefully. hopefully. I mean, it's, this is difficult. I mean, Excellent. It's, you know, it's, it's very uh, difficult. Uh, now that I'm doing the, the, the analysis part, it's just it is overwhelming. Because mm -hmm. you said, what, about 60 hours worth yeah, of just uh, recording, not even the video. Yeah, correct. Ooh. So it's... Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. Thank you, you so much. Thank and you for having us again. I appreciate y'all coming in, especially on a hot day like this, air conditioning. Okay. And thank you so much to our lovely special guest over here. Ana Maria! Um, <laughs> um, Doctora Ana Maria. Basically, basically. And um, if you noted that Justin brought up the subject of identity and language earlier, I'm just going to shameless plug. The University of Alabama will be hosting their languages conference this February. Yeah! And our theme Woo. is the crossroads of uh, identity and language. Crossroads. <laughs> It's always a catchy. I it's feel like I'm always word. at the crossroads. <laughs> Sadness and despair. Just I'm really not sad. I'm not why do I keep making it seem like I don't know if you're so negative. I get so nervous when Ooh, I'm in here. So yeah, anyways. Self-deprecating. Be sure to check out our other episodes if you right. haven't. Yeah, okay, go ahead, Robin. Go ahead. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Perdón, perdón. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested in submitting to our lovely conference, um, abstracts will be um, I think the deadline was settled on the first week of November. We're accepting from multiple fields, even outside of languages, art, philosophy, uh, education, psychology. Uh, just check us out on the MLC website through UA. That's mlc.ua.edu. And you're uh, feel free to contact me or Bowden because he is a committee chair as well. Don't contact me. Don't contact Justin. He has enough problems. <laughs> 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 I won't be able to help you. I'll just be like, yeah, I'll see you there. <laughs> see you there, bro. But yeah, see, you, um, see you at the crossroads. See you at the cross. Oh yeah, my god. What? It's <laughs> a, a song. Is it a song? It is Bone a song. and Harmony, like 1996. Okay. Anyway, but yes, um, just feel free to contact us. Um, Robbie at gradlingpodcast.com. Bowden at gradlingpodcast.com. Thank you again to Giovanni Sandra and Maria. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Check us out at gradlingpodcast.com. We're the same Choose now a whole building scene, then a whole red maybe get the color boss dying. No, contact me! I don't I don't get enough messages in the day. <laughs> I've been trying to understand what you're doing. Oh. <laughs> We're the same the shoes now a whole building scene, then a whole red maybe get the color boss dying. Maybe it's the same age you're gonna come be seen. Another jersey got beavers in the chair.